Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career changes are not the straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change. We inspire people that are thinking to change career. We support people that want or need to change career, but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey, and with one third of our lives spent working, it would be unimaginable to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Career Changers. Our guest today is Karin Koger, the legal maverick transforming content creators into business owners. Today, she's here to talk about the importance of intellectual property for content creators. Welcome, Karin. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited about this episode and I would like to discover um, everything we can about your background. How did you start your professional life or better, what was your first job? Okay, so my first job was actually as a criminal defense attorney at uh, at the public defender's office in the state of New Jersey. So I used to represent indigent defendants, so defendants who could not afford to get private counsel. Uh, So I started off as a trial attorney. I did criminal defense, and then I went into civil defense. But my background in, in college, I majored in media. I always loved media, thought I was going to be an entertainment attorney, and that just really wasn't for me. Um, But I was able to combine my love of media and my love of the law by doing intellectual property and helping content creators. So what was your dream job when you were a child? (laughs) A TV producer. Um, I wanted to produce like Dateline. I still listen and watch Dateline every day. And then I guess you went into law school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's your educational background. Yeah. So uh, let's start with the journey of your career. How did you progress after uh, your first job? Well, I would say um, prior to my first job, I grew up in a household where my mother was an educator and my dad was an accountant, but he was always preaching entrepreneurship. So I always had it in the back of my head that I was going to be my own business, my own boss, you know, someday. So again, you know, starting with the first job, um, doing criminal defense, you know, um, 
I just didn't like working for other people. I didn't, you know, I, I did not enjoy the fact that when I went on vacation, it wasn't my own vacation. I still had to work. I still had to check in. Um, I didn't have a chance to relax. And, you know, I found that, you know, I would get in the car to go to work in the morning. I would cry on the way to work. So I said, you know, I have to, I have to change a couple of things. Um, number one, the area of law in which I was practicing, um, doing defense work, especially civil defense work. I worked for an insurance company. You know, there really wasn't anything that fulfilling about it versus doing this. I get to work with small business owners and entrepreneurs and even big business owners, but I help them, you know, grow their businesses and create more, you know, with intellectual property. And that gives me satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So how did you how did you start thinking about focusing your work around trademarks, copyrights, and intellectual property? So I knew that I wanted to do this in law school. So I took all of the intellectual property courses that I could in law school. However, one of the things that I went to law school over 20 years ago. So um, one of the things that was not taught in law school was how to be an attorney, you know, how to actually do the work. You were taught the law. But when it came down to how do I fill out, uh, how do I file a complaint? How do I file an answer? How do I do a trademark application? I didn't know these things. So actually listening to podcasts, I ran into somebody, um, her name's Sonia Lacani, and she was doing a course and still does a course that's called Two Weeks to Trademarks, which actually teaches um, practitioners how to be a trademark attorney. So not just learning the law around trademarks, but what to do, how to interview people, how to get their information in the file, the trademark application, and all the other things that come along with filing trademarks. Hmm. So uh, is there been anyone or anything that's been a major source of inspiration for you um, during your career journey and so in the direction of this transition? I would just say the other small um, or solo attorneys that I've met. So we we have a pretty robust uh, Facebook community. I, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, so Facebook is still like my major social media group. Um, and a lot of us, you know, network and help each other because... Um, what I do now in um, doing trademarks and having a virtual law firm, I actually started this before the pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, some people never even heard of a virtual law firm and didn't understand, what do you mean you don't have an office or, you know, we're only going to meet, you know, in Zoom. So networking with those other people that did it first, they all inspire me because, you know, again, I came from working for the government, working for insurance firms. Um, I worked for private um, uh, private firms and it's just very different. Hmm. Well, let's start to talk about intellectual property. I'm really curious about this topic because uh, we are now living in a digital world. So I think it's quite different compared to yeah. what it was 20 years ago. So first of all, how can we define what is intellectual property? I would say intellectual property is, um, it's defined by your creation. So I focus primarily on trademarks and copyright. So the most simplest way I can put it to people are your trademarks cover your brands and your copyrights cover your content and patents cover your inventions. So I don't do patent law, but I will you know, explain the differences. So when you think about trademarks, you think about how do you identify you know, a brand? Do you um, identify them by their name, by their mark? You think of Starbucks or Nike or you know, the swoosh mark. You automatically know that this is what that brand is based upon their identifier. 
um, your content is your podcast, your podcast episodes, your written work, your blogs, your photographs, all of those things that you create and you produce. And like you said, now we're in this digital world where infringement happens all of the time, sometimes not even on purpose, um, but I'm here to help business owners, you know, protect their intellectual property, um, prevent them from being, you know, being stolen from or copied or going after the people that, that do that, but also recognize that your intellectual property is an asset um, and it's something that you can, you can build upon and that you can monetize. Hmm. Uh, so in your experience uh, nowadays, especially with all these digital business owners, we can call them like that, um, is there this understanding there is a need to protect intellectual property? Absolutely. So I find that most business owners put intellectual property on, on the bottom of their list of things to do versus it should be on the top of your list of things to do. So what will happen is people that want to start a business, you know, they'll do like a basic search, you know, they'll go online, they'll do a Google search, or perhaps they'll search the secretary of state to see if their business name has been taken. Has anybody else registered that business name? And they'll go online and get a domain name, you know, for their business. Um, but that's it. They they do not do the intellectual property, um, what we call is a comprehensive search. Um, so intellectual property attorneys, trademark attorneys, we will do this at the beginning to see if your name or brand or what you want to trademark has been taken before. So you're not infringing upon somebody else. So oftentimes business owners, like I said, they'll start their business, they'll get the domain, um, they'll invest all types of money in their business, purchase product, you know, invest money in the advertising and marketing, and then might be hit with a cease and desist because they are infringing on somebody else's intellectual property. And then you have to start all over again. Hmm. So I think you mentioned quite a few points, but if you want to go to the core of the issue, why is it important to protect intellectual property? Um, for a number of reasons. Number one, if you have a company that you, you, you love and adore and you want to protect, you want to protect the integrity of your company. So for instance, my law firm, it's my name, Coger Law Firm. If somebody else was using the name Coger Law Firm, but they were producing horrible quality work for somebody, you know, I would not want to be, you know, confused by them. Or think about when you go purchase something on Amazon and you purchase from a brand that you know and some other that you know and you trust, and another brand is using that name and you don't get the same quality product. Um, you know, that's one of the main reasons why you want to protect it um, because you want to, you know, stand by the integrity of, of who you are and what you're, you're presenting to your, your customers and your clients. So that would be, I would say, number one. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned before trademark, copyrights and intellectual property. Uh, when we are looking in, at the digital world, uh, there is an incredible amount of content creation. How can content creators protect their intellectual property? What are the steps that they can take independently from where they live? Okay, so I will start with um, I'll start with the trademark. So, like I said, that's the name of your company. It's your logo, um, so they can register that with the trademark office. And that process right now is taking about twelve to eighteen months. And you do not need to have already been using 
that that brand or the mark that you're thinking of, if you decide that this is what you want to do, you can go ahead and you can file it and you can file an intent to use application. Then if you are out there producing content, so again, if you have photographs, you have a blog, you have a website, you have your podcast episodes, all of these can be filed with the copyright office. Um, and you can, um, if it's a literary work, uh, meaning something that's in a book, it's something that's written that can be that can be filed. If it's something again like a podcast episode, your videos, um, those can be filed. Your photographs can be filed. And if you are constantly producing content, you need to constantly register that content with the copyright office. Mm -hmm. So how can organizations um, and content creators become business owners by protecting their intellectual property? Um, so if you start off as a content creator and you want to become a business owner, again, the first step is filing um, with your secretary of state. So either you are filing to become a sole proprietorship, a partnership, an LLC, a limited liability um, company, um, a, or a corporation or a nonprofit. So you have to decide which one fits into your model. Um, most business owners or a lot of business owners start off with an LLC, a limited liability um, company. And the big difference or the reason to do that is because when you do have an LLC or a corporation, it does separate your personal assets from your, your, your work assets. So if somebody were to sue you, they can only sue your company. They cannot sue you personally. They cannot go after your house or your car. If you have a sole proprietorship or a partnership, they can. So that is the number one step is filing with your secretary of state and um, submitting that paperwork and getting registered. Okay, and I guess this then is different. We are we are we have a global audience, so this uh, is in the US, but I think it's similar but different, maybe in some ways in each country. Exactly. Uh, what are uh, so now? Big topic. Big topic is about artificial intelligence. So uh, one of the the main uh, problems is actually the artificial intelligence allow the use of content that is generated first by just GPT that is not really clear how this content get produced. And then also um, we've seen a uh, hard, famous hard work that has been uh, modified. So um, intellectual property is becoming a very big issue. Absolutely. Um, so what are the issues, you know, in your opinion, related with intellectual property and the use of artificial intelligence? Sure. So I love ChatGPT. I'm probably on it every day. I'm a, I'm a big fan. However, there are caveats with ChatGPT. So for instance, um, ChatGPT pulls from other sources on the internet. So let's say that you have a website or a blog um, that you should register with the copyright office um, and you should register your work, ChatGPT can actually go and pull from that. And if people do not check their sources with ChatGPT or they do not run a plagiarism check, you know, if they just completely just, you know, they run a ChatGPT search, copy and paste that, it could be copying and pasting somebody's proprietary information, somebody else's information that, again, if you register it with the copyright office, you have a level of protection. Um, all of the, the social media sites, 
um, they do have takedown notices. And the first question that they're going to ask you are, are you the copyright owner? Are you the trademark owner? If you are the owner, then you do have some recourse and you do have ways and means to get the, the social media sites to take down your content that somebody else has stolen or copied. Um, so you do need to have that level of protection. And I think it's more important now with using artificial intelligence that's pulling from all types of sources on the internet. Or again, I told you I'm a Facebook person, I'm a Gen Xer. And so every once in a while, there'll be like a new app that shows up. It's like, oh, look at this new app and upload 20 photographs of yourself. And we're going to make these AI photographs. Well, most people don't read the terms and conditions when we go on different websites. They all have them. We click the little button, we scroll down, we say, okay, and don't even realize, you know, what you are giving up or what rights you're giving away or that you're giving permission to these sites and um, to use now your uploaded photo or other content. Mm. So in your opinion, and as a legal expert as well, how do you see this evolving in the future? I, I, it's not going to go away. You know, it's not going to go away. Every industry is trying to figure out how to incorporate it in their in their business. And like I said, I love it, um, but I love it more so for uh, the creative process. So I'm like, for instance, for me, I'm an attorney. I'm not a copywriter. You know, I have great ideas in my head, you know, but when I put them into chat GPT and say, hey, create an outline for me, you know, it, 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 it does work. But using it in that manner is different than using it to say, hey, chat GPT, write me a book, <laughs> you know, um, and holding off that book or holding out that book as if it's your original content. So one of the first things we should do when you are using our artificial intelligence and incorporating it into your business is to let your readers know, you know, that you have used artificial intelligence. You're not trying to say that all of these are my original thoughts and in, in, in my, uh, you know, my original words. So you mentioned earlier on plagiarism. Um, in your opinion, what are the best way to 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 check if if um, if your content has been plagiated? If you know, yeah. So I want to say I use a website that's called Copy Space, and I have no affiliation to them whatsoever. So me promoting them is not like money in my pocket, but I love it. Um, on copy space, you can either copy your text or text from a website or put in a website and put it into their system and they will show where does it show up on other places on the internet. So for instance, you know, I talk in the areas of, you know, trademarks and copyrights. Some of that stuff comes straight from the trademark and copyright office. That's fine. But if it's somebody else's creative work or creative spin that they put around it and it shows that it's over here, you know, um, content that I got from ChatGPT is stealing from this person's website, I'm not going to want to use that, you know, or... Um, or you want to link back to it or at least attribute where you got that information from. Um, so I know in the area of education, there's a whole bunch of different plagiarism sites. I, I don't work in education anymore. So that's why copy space is my go-to, but that's, that's one of the tools that you can use to ensure that you're not infringing upon somebody else's work. Very interesting. I'm having a very hot topic at the moment. <laughs> So for me, it's very clear uh, how you're helping other people with their businesses and uh, this work about um, uh, trademark uh, and copyrights. 
But in your own world, how do you feel uh, uh, through your work you're making the world a better place? Um, I feel like I'm making the world a better place because I am helping people in areas that they did not necessarily know that they needed help in. So to to try to make that more clear, um, when I talk to people, they'll say, well, I've heard about trademarks, so I've heard about copyrights, but I don't know what I need to trademark and copyright to, to protect my business. So I do a lot of education on what it is and what do you have to protect. So for instance, you know, we are on this podcast episode right now, and I, I also work in the area of contracts. Um, so, you know, if you were coming to me as a client, you know, I would ask, have you, have you thought about, you know, trademarking the name of your podcast? Do you have a logo for your podcast? Have you copywritten, copyright, copywritten? I always get it confused, but have you, you know, have you registered with the copyright office? Do you have anything that's very um, central, you know, to your business that nobody else has? You know, do you have certain, um, um, forms or interview questions, you know, all these things that are just special to you, that if somebody else were to steal it, you know, you would feel some type of way about it. Those are the things that you want to protect. Because again, a lot of people just put all this stuff on the back burner until they see somebody online using their stuff. Mm. So what type of advice would you give to anyone looking to protect their intellectual property, someone that maybe has not done anything yet? Um, I would say speak to an attorney first. Um, and another another organization that I do promote, again, no affiliation with, is um, in the United States, we have SCORE.org, which is an organization, it's a nonprofit that helps um, business owners or helps people become business owners, help them start their businesses, and they can walk you through these steps in the beginning. So if you feel like, you know, I can't afford an attorney or I'm not there yet, maybe I just want to do some research, definitely use that as a resource. Well, we are reaching the end of this episode and um, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask to every guest and is if you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? What would I say to my younger self? Become a TV producer instead of a TV. <laughs> <laughs> that so was you want to be a career changer then? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I love TV. I love media. I would say to follow your dreams. Um, when you follow your dreams, the money will come. You know, do not do not chase the money. Yeah. Well, we don't know. Maybe one day you're gonna be a famous producer. <laughs> Well, thank you, Karen, so much for joining us today and sharing your inspirational story and wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes. And please, if you enjoyed this episode, leave our reviews. Thank you. Thank you.